Previously on Right on Track. Ah, an intruder! That's right, Connor Jonas. It's me, Callie Fan, from the Thomas Talk Podcast. Tom Talk... Sorry, the the one? You know, the, the, the Thomas Podcast that was around before Right on Track? Nah... Sorry, mate, I don't know what you're on about. <laughs> How's that for ignorance? Well, I've come back with a vengeance. I'm going to take my rightful place back in the host chair and be the ultimate Thomas podcast host. <laughs> Just you wait until Denim and Parry hear about this. <laughs> oh, you got me good there. I'm well aware that they're nowhere to be heard or seen. I've sent Perry on a wild goose chase, and Denim is lost in the depths of the Australian bush. Neither of them will be coming to your rescue. It's a good thing I came prepared, then. I've got Lachlan and M here to help me out. <laughs> you really think I'm going to let you get away with that this easily? I have a special plan for you three. And what might that be? I'm banishing you to the Shadow Realm. Wait, no! no! Listeners, hi, hello. Yes, you, especially you. I know you were trying to fall asleep to this and you're still awake. Sorry. From now on, there's going to be a bit of a new agenda. And I will reign as the supreme podcast host once and for all. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening. Listeners of this podcast, I'm Callie Fan, and welcome to Right on Track, done properly. Done properly. I mean, I, I'm sitting here, you know, I've been listening to this this show, a few episodes of it, and I thought, you know, I think I, think I could do a better job. And I, I mean, I am the original podcast host, the Thomas Talk podcast, you might have, might have heard of it. And I'm here with two very special and wonderful people. I have Mike, who is here with me. Hello, everyone. I have Andrew. Hello. Now, Mike is online as at the Buried Truck, and Andrew is online as at the underscore chairlord. Thank you for including the underscore. <laughs> yeah, of course. I, I want people to be able to find you. Of course, of course. And... And these are the people I've selected to replace whoever did this before. I'm not, you know, I didn't bother to learn the names. I think, I think the future is bright. I blocked them out of my memory completely, to be honest with you. D good. Did we even replace people? Is this like, our podcast? Was, was there a podcast? <laughs> Maybe this, I, this, this could just be a whole new thing. Who, who knows? Maybe. Actually, no, no, no. There, there might be, uh, there might have been a podcast before this. One yeah, where it was, called, it was called the Thomas Talk podcast. That's right. In the beginning, That's, it's the class. It was only Thomas Talk, the OG. Sudrian Radio. So. Never heard of her. Sudrian <laughs> Radio. That goes back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course, they're all dead now, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> there was. 
I don't know if I should bring this up, a radio show, Once Upon a Time, like 2012, 2013. That only lasted a couple episodes, I think, but I think I was a part of it. It was, uh, that was an interesting time that I only speak about with close friends. <laughs> um, but yes, so I guess, you know, just to kind of give a brief introduction of us, I mean, I don't know if I need much of an introduction. I'm Cali Van, you know, uh, I've been on YouTube for, I guess this is in May, it'll be my 12th year. Of being on YouTube, uh, and I, I did a series called Thomas Talk back in my teenage years, uh, and you know, I, now I guess I'm most known for my Roblox game somehow. Somehow I just kept going younger in age demographic. So I'm now at Roblox, and I do Roblox Chuggington, which I spent hours and hours on somehow. Uh, but when I'm not doing that, I work in the film industry. Uh, making movies and TV shows that people watch uh, sometimes. So I guess now, Mike, maybe you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, certainly. I have been in the fandom since I think about 2015 or so. I believe I joined uh, just shortly before the uh, the milestone movie that is Sodor's Legend of the Lost Treasure came out and blew everyone's minds. Uh, so that was an exciting time to be part of the fandom, but... Uh, my, my claim to fame, quote unquote, is, uh, writing a ton of stories and, uh, whether they be somewhat original or trying to fill in the gaps of the railway series or the TV series, uh, anything like that, that is, uh, that is what I do. And unlike my two lovely co-hosts, uh, I, I don't have my own podcast experience to speak of, but I, I certainly do have things to say about, uh about what uh, previous hosts of this so-called show may have said about certain stories. And, uh, and I, I think we need to establish the, the, proper, uh, the proper opinions here. I'm just going to say it. Though the gloves are coming off. The correct way of doing things. Correct, um, yes. I love this. So much to look forward to. Andrew, what, did, what can you tell us about yourself? Uh, I have been a fan. Um for many many years now uh i want to say i started interacting with the fandom at large around 2011 2012 but all of that's boring so (laughs) (laughs) i'll just skip to the bit that that people like care about more i guess um i i'm a i'm an artist both uh physically and digitally um especially in the 3d scape uh, I, I, I model silly little choo-choo trains, and I put them in Trains Simulator with, uh, along with my, my pals at Sodor Workshops. I'm, I'm part of the, um, the, 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 the evil organization, <laughs> as it were. <laughs> my, my reputation precedes me as someone that people occasionally find funny on Twitter.com. Um, and I, I once made a... I once started a YouTube series called Somewhere in England that never really took off. Um, made a little comeback this past year at Christmas, and there might be more. We'll see. Ooh la but, la. I'd love to see it. But, uh, yeah, my, my previous podcast experience only consists of occasionally guest spotting on the Railway Series Book Club, which is um, run by some very, very good friends of mine who for the most part, are not as wrong 
as um, whatever former hosts of this, um, this shambles of a podcast that we're now ripping up from the foundations and restructuring into something new, um, sleeker, generally better to listen to, um, have, have done or thought before. Okay, we're in. This is it. I mean, so as as my two other hosts have mentioned or kind of alluded to, we are going to look back at a couple of episodes that we think, again, whoever did this before got wrong. And we are going to talk about why we think they are the way that they are and why whoever talked about them before was wrong, why maybe everyone who's ever spoken about them before is wrong. That is our job, is to convince you with our never-ending propaganda, or whatever we want to call it. Not even so much as convince, but just make you see the error of your ways and recognize that these are the only true opinions that one can have about these particular stories. It's, it's not propaganda, we're just giving you advice that... It's not propaganda if it's the truth, I'm just Exactly, saying. exactly. And you just have to listen. This is called yeah. critical thinking. You do it all the time. Just, you know... Except when you don't. Use use what they taught you in school, that old thing, to evaluate our opinions. Or don't! So... We don't care! So the first episode that we think we really have to write the ship on is Diesel Does It Again. And we're going to have a quick little listen to this. Andrew, what are we about to hear? We're about to hear that our, our dear, dear friends, Percy and Duck, have been working at the harbor much too hard and that the fat controller is sent for another engine to help and now they're waiting for him to arrive it came as a shock when he did good morning squirmed diesel in his oily voice the two engines had not worked with diesel for a long time what are you doing here gasped duck your worthy top uh sir topham hat sent me i hope you are pleased to see me again I am to shunt some dreadfully tiresome cars. Shunt where? said Percy suspiciously. Where? Why, from here to there, purred Diesel, and then again from there to here. Easy, isn't it? With that, Diesel, as if to make himself quite clear, bumped some cars hard. Oh! screamed the cars. growled Diesel. Percy and Duck were horrified. They did not trust Diesel at all. They refused to work and would not leave their shed. Well, as always, whenever Devious Diesel comes into town, I mean, what do you think's gonna happen? You know, this is never a good news story. No one's ever, like, no one ever throws a parade for Diesel. Um, so I guess, Baby Andrew, can you tell us a little bit about what this episode is about? Am I wrong? I think this episode tells us exactly what happens right from the outset very, very well, just by the title alone. Diesel, he does it again. He, he just does it again. He just keeps coming back the little f***. Um, <laughs> that's him. <laughs> and That's Diesel. Of course, you know, we, we haven't seen Devious Diesel actually since Dirty Work. Um... Where he sort of slinks off in triumph. You don't see him at all in a close shave. Um, it's mentioned that he gets sent packing, but 
you know, our, our, our good friend Mike wrote a little story about that actually called Percy's Ploy. What, uh, what happened when Diesel made up some lies about Henry, as alluded to in the Railway series? Who? Me? Yes, you! <laughs> I think it's pretty good. But, uh... I, dig- I digress, I digress. Let's talk about the actual episode. So, Diesel, he comes back, right? Uh, as Duck and Percy are overworked at the harbor, as explained before. Now, let me just get to my greatest point here, and it's that... Whoever, whoever was here before us tragically misunderstood the masterpiece that is Diesel Does It Again. And I'm here to put that right. Okay, I'll, I'll hear you out on this one. I mean, I don't think the previous views were favorable. But I mean, I kind of sit there and I go, you know, Sir Topham Hat, the fat controller, knows exactly who Diesel is and what Diesel's like. Why would he bring Diesel back? I know exactly why. And this this is um, this is a, a, a topic I've mentally delved into quite a few times before, and it's the it's the relationship that Devious Diesel has with the Fat Controller. It's like the Batman and the Joker. Oh God, this this will be this will be a sort of out on a limb reference, but it's like Inspector Zenigata and Lupin the Third. How <laughs> they just can't seem to completely outdo each other the fat controller wants to send diesel away for good but he just can't it's not in him he loves diesel really is is there like does lady hat have to be concerned not after the not after the divorce she doesn't (laughs) okay 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 (laughs) now i mean this is the other thing is like diesel doing like some illegal things in the background is he paying off so topham had is there like some smuggling going on here you know no he's just an asshole okay and i mean i guess that's an attractive quality for sir topham hat because if you look at the way that he talks to his engines i mean now even if you if you look at the way even later in the series that his wife talks to him i mean Clearly, he enjoys a bit of the, uh, he's a man in control of the railway, but even he enjoys being put in his place from time to time, you know? From an outsider, (laughs) from outsider perspective, um, I don't know what this voice is. (laughs) These pretzels are making me thirsty. (laughs) Used to feel good all the time. So, so Diesel comes back. Because Sir Topham Hatt's in love with him. I think this is the hidden message that people might have missed before, is like the little, you know, and I guess at the end, it's just broken off, right? Like this is, this is actually like a love story, this episode. You have to have a pretty high IQ to understand the romantic undertones, okay? (laughs) (laughs) But you see, what, what makes it compelling as a story of, of romantics is that the Fat Controller doesn't quite understand that he really loves diesel basically the whole time it's one of those it's one of those oh tragic it's it's it is it is tragic it's 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 slow burner and indeed i think it lends credence as to why diesel appears in mavis rather than daisy um not that he turned up on set but uh he was just there the morning after but I digress. I digress. I digress. What I what I understand is that this is something that only the TV series does too. This arc doesn't exist in the railway series. Yes, it doesn't. In the railway series, it it is one and done. Diesel just 
uh, doesn't really come back until the one-off story Thomas and the Evil Diesel written by Christopher Audrey, or as some stateside may know it better, Thomas and the Naughty Diesel, which, by the way, is the superior publication because it confirms the canonicity of Train Doctors. Correct. It is not the works, it is the Train Doctors. Yes. Does it? It opens with, one day Percy wasn't feeling well, so Sir Topham Hatt sent him to the Train Doctors to get better. I didn't even need to grab my, my copy of the book to to read that off. I it I I know the the inner workings of Thomas and the Naughty Diesels to such a a fine fine point. I can rattle off most of it. When you read such fine prose as he was sent to the train doctor, you don't need to grab the text. It stays lodged firmly in your brain. Exactly. It's what sticks with you. I mean, why aren't they studying that at a university level? Because you know? they're cowards. Frankly. Okay. Thomas and the Naughty Diesel should be available at every university library. And, like, multiple copies. Like, at least 25. You know, because it'll be out so much. Yeah, but big college doesn't want you to know that this book exists. <laughs> Duck the Great Western Engine, given his experience with Diesel... Um, you know, he's gotten back to his normal life. He's just enjoying himself. He's working with Percy, which is something that the series does just kind of do. It's like, okay, now these engines work here, but only for this episode. Never again. Only for this episode. Only because the story needs it to. To be fair, actually, they do it again in All at Sea. It's something that they, uh, that they allude to. It's kind of, it's one of the, one, one of the things I think Series 3 does quite interestingly is, um, that it does have... Uh, some interlinking between uh, between stories because in Trust Thomas you have James complaining that Percy's gone off to work at the harbor, and then here and in All at Sea you have you know Duck and Percy working at the harbor. It's 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 really the way the way I lay it out is very like simple, very um always seeing connections and things that don't have them. But honestly, it, it wouldn't surprise me if that were intentional. Either way. Well, I mean, as we know, with, with Series 3, they were drawing very heavily from the magazine stories, and if you if you go back to those, yeah, yeah. Uh, whether it was Andrew Brenner or whoever was writing them at the time, they really did enjoy having Duck and Percy at the harbor. Whether it was together or even just the two of them separately, uh, time and time again, you see that pairing crop up at that exact location over and over. So I'm, I'm actually... All right, guys, you got me. You got me. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a whole lot of um there's like there's quite a few like arcs actually in the magazine story like I think the some of the stories that this was adapted from, um, involved Bill and Ben. That's right. Which would not surprise me given how much Andrew Brenner likes them. Mm, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um and uh, as a, as a complete aside in terms of like emotions, um I would like to add that the U.S. version, um, of this episode just as a complete aside is. Just a little worse off, only because of how um, it removes the line where Duck feel where it's a, it's stated just how hurt Duck feels by the Fat Controller bringing Diesel back to the railway, even for this. Oh, maybe that's why I'm not familiar with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, yeah, in the, in the UK dub, there's and in a quiet hurt voice, he added, "You said you'd sent him packing, sir." Oh, that was that was just a gut punch the first time I heard that line. Because you grow up not hearing it, and then you hear the UK dub, and it's like, oh. oh, I feel so bad for you. Yeah, like, genuinely, like, that, 
that's a really good bit of characterization. Like it is. I, but I mean, this like is a outside thing. entirely outside of the bit. Entirely outside of the bit. That is actually quite good. But but, but I mean, that's the thing is you know how can Sir Topham Hatt, the Fat Controller, uh, bring back Diesel, and like and specifically says here, Duck, have at it, and expect it to go well. I think the thing is that he doesn't. Honestly, the the the. So Topham Hat generally is a couple steps ahead. Um, Diesel. He's thinking big picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As as he states, Diesel was the only engine available, which is, as far as we know, true. There is like only one engine outside of the Fat Controllers Railway that we know of in the show by this point, and it is just Diesel. Um, I mean, you could also count Bill and Ben, but so. But I think you know this is also the point of the series where diesel uh he's not you know an engine from the other railway anymore i mean if i'm not mistaken from this point onwards he just kind of lives on sodor yeah he doesn't actually leave so you know and that's never really made a point you know hey now we own diesel at the end of this episode he sent packy again and then yeah, suddenly he, he is, just kind of i shall not be inviting you back and then but you know is that is that something that kids pick up on, though? Because when I was a kid, I never thought about that. I never thought that Diesel was sent packing, that Diesel was from the other railway. I just thought that Diesel lived on Sodor. I don't know what I thought when Sir Top Matt sent him packing all the time, but... I think, I think I'd have seen this episode a bit after um, I'd, I'd started my quote-unquote critical thinking skills had been exposed to the internet. Um, <laughs> so, uh... Yeah, no, I, I, I'm not sure if I could say what child me thought of it, but yeah, no, I had kind of also just assumed that Diesel was always on Sodor. Um, I have never seen an engine less affected by getting a stern talking to. So we've talked about the hidden love story. Correct. That's in this episode that most people skip over. You need an incredibly high IQ to notice it. Um what else, Andrew, do you think is so good about this episode that people are missing? I think that the one of the greatest things about this episode, really, is Diesel himself. And this episode does an excellent job at showcasing just how a bit crap he is. Um, especially the, the moment where he shoves all of the China clay trucks through the buffers, like, into, into the sea. Um... And you get that shot of him, like, pushing them along the key, you know, they're, and they're just, like, plowing straight through, like, falling into the water one by one, and he's still got his, like, little devious smirking face on, like, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> and then immediately cut, just cut straight to him, just go, oh. <laughs> yeah, he didn't mean to do that, but he's like, oh. Of course not. But he's just got, oh, this has happened now. Yeah. Do you oh. think he feels any guilt? No. <laughs> he's, like, because you could tell, like, when the Fat Controller chews him out at the end of the episode. Like, he, he's just he's just kind of got a, yeah, whatever for it, t- towards it. He's smug. Um, not even that, just like, ugh. And evidently, as we see in other episodes, an engine even less affected by the prospect of not being invited back. So you also think this is a character study on this is like Joker, you know? Yeah, I think I think it is. Actually, I 
it it could mm, there could be a parallel to Joker drawn in that um the uh the the scene as mentioned before of Diesel pushing the trucks into the sea that um you know the climax of the movie with with uh with Mr. Jonker at the at the talk show. Yeah. Yeah. At the talk show and he pulls out the Glock and and all that. I think that there's a very strong parallel to be drawn there because I think that's both characters at their breaking point, more or less. I mean, we do kind of get Diesel dancing down the yard too, you know. It's like, yeah, we we do, we do. Um, he 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 has a very like interesting song that he dances to. Um, and it, it's certainly better than uh, uh, <clears throat> Gary Glitter. Uh, <clears throat> not a fan of him. Uh, th- in that it just. Goes to something a little like, <clears throat> yeah, it's a musical masterpiece. I mean, do you think do you think that they based the movie Joker off of Diesel Does It Again? Yes. Okay. Great. There's actually there's there's hidden promotional stills of Diesel Does It Again where you actually see him uh, riding a, a railway line. That seemingly goes down a never-ending flight of stairs, too, and he almost appears to be uh, dancing on the rails. So I would not be surprised if Joker took that as direct inspiration. Wow. Or, like, turntables, like a whole bunch of turntables in a row spinning on them as he goes down. Exactly, exactly. Now, now Mike, what do you think of this episode? What do you think people are missing? I, I have to echo that sentiment. I've always really enjoyed this episode. Um... Even, you know, out of context, just watching it as a kid, as a standalone, not knowing that it was, uh, you know, what I assume is the replacement of uh, Thomas and the Evil slash Naughty Diesel. Uh, I have to say, I think this episode succeeds a lot more than that book does. Uh, I don't know. Something about uh, the interaction with Duck and Percy is very fun. Uh, Diesel coming back... Uh, this obviously this being the first time that he comes back uh it's sort of a, a welcome welcome change to have a truly antagonistic character come back because we you know we're so used to you've got gordon and james who at times are you know boastful and a bit uh, a bit rude to their fellow fellow friends uh but they're they're not true antagonists at the end of the day diesel on the other hand is just bad to the bone uh he does not care he will do whatever it takes to just get everyone else kind of wrapped around his finger uh his proverbial finger i should say uh and it's just i don't know i've, I've always really liked the visuals of this episode especially when coupled with the story my favorite part i think has to be it's after duck and percy decide that they're going on strike so Top Hat gets the phone call, and then it cuts back to a shot of Diesel just kind of slowly moving through the yard with some with some trucks, and then you get that sweeping shot of the the giant ship with all the passengers all like scattered around the dock, and it, it just kind of kind of goes to show you that like yeah, without Duck and Percy, you know they're they're kind of right to strike because without them, uh, the whole operation kind of goes belly up and. Uh, I, I think it actually, <laughs> I think it reflects on Diesel as well that he can't uh, can't keep things afloat like he claims that he can, being revolutionary and such. 
So, yeah, I don't know. I, I've, I, I, it seems that a lot of people don't like this episode from what I've seen on Twitter and what I've heard in, in various uh, videos and, and podcasts made by uh, those we shall not name. But shame, uh, shame, shame on them. And I, I don't, I don't understand why people don't like it because it has the instant Thomas Twitter ten out of ten factor, which is Thomas is not in the episode. Bingo. And I mean, if that, if that's the case, it's an automatic ten out of ten on Twitter. Well, actually, I, technically, I suppose he he is in the episode. We see a brief shot of him uh with the the red coaches rather than annie and claire oh all right so he, he was shoehorned in at the end of the day uh, right but he doesn't have a speaking role yeah but i mean ultimately he has he has no impact overall on the text of the story so honestly exactly no bear you could you could just somehow rewire your brain into thinking that that isn't thomas there that's like um i don't know Regly few silly the the also blue tank engine right <laughs> right so so Thomas doesn't speak uh, so which is ten out of ten but but he has a cameo so I guess it deducts it to a nine out of ten for Thomas Twitter by any on any other episode that would be the case um, I guess what I think about with with the moral of the episode I always think about that right what is it trying to teach what is it trying to tell this seems like it's an episode about bullying. And my my problem with episodes that kids shows do about bullying is that it always ends with the bully gets sent away, right? And I've never seen that happen in real life. I wish that any time there was a problem kid at school that they would, you know, just go like, okay, you can't go here anymore because you called Timmy uh, a peanut or, you know, whatever. Um, so I, the only situation you can actually kick it out is is if kids are hanging out together at home. Exactly. And I mean, to add a little bit more context to it, uh, I don't know how many of our listeners grew up with Shining Time Station, per se. That's that's how I, uh, outside of the VHSs, that's how I mainly viewed Thomas when I was growing up. Uh, but I believe on the episode of Shining Time Station where this episode premiered, uh, it was dealing with bullying to a degree. It was the kids of the station were... Uh, they were seeing all these things that Schemer's nephew was doing wrong, and uh, when they said that they were going to more or less report him to the adults of the station, uh, he did exactly what Diesel does in this episode. He said, yeah, I bet you'd love to be a couple of, uh, of goody-goody tattletales. And uh, Mr. Conductor proceeds to come in and <laughs> tattletales. Um Mr. Conductor proceeds to sparkle in, tell them the story, and rather than the adults uh, dealing the consequences of of little Schemey's actions, uh, it's actually the kids who come up with an idea to fool him and actually out himself. So it is something, there's something to be said that, you know, if you, if you are in a situation where uh, a bully is around or someone is treating you not very nice... Uh, I think this shows that rather than, you know, having to get help from someone else, oftentimes they will be their own undoing as well. Is a, which, honestly, I think... That's um, an interesting point. Is a very, uh, is a very like, railway series thing to do. Um, certainly it, it, it happens in Bold Out. It happens in... Correct. 
arguably dirty objects. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Super rescue. Great examples. All fantastic examples. Well, to to circle it back, jo- Josh, what do you think of this episode? Yeah, I think you know what. What the reason I think it's underrated is I actually believe that this episode, Diesel does it again, is a social commentary on the prison system. And I think that's, you know, hear me out. Because, I mean, you have you have a criminal in Diesel. He comes in and he starts doing criminal things, you know, like bumping other engines and, and killing troublesome trucks. You know, that, that's criminal activity. Damaging property. You know, this is not good things for an engine to be doing. This is criminal behavior. And... You know, this demonstrates, this episode demonstrates that instead of trying to fix that behavior, the default that people do is they just send them away, right? Go stay in a cell for five years and you'll be, you'll be a better person. When really it's a much more complicated issue than that. And I think that this episode really brings to light that people who do bad things, they're not necessarily bad people. They are still people, and we just need to change our attitudes towards, you know, instead of sending them away, we need to work with them and try and make them do good things instead, right? We really need to focus on that kind of activity. So I think that this episode really highlights that issue. It does so much in in the awareness of that. Um, I mean, you know, they should have had Diesel pull away with a truck with a sign on it that says prison reform now, you know, that was, that's was about the only other step they could take. So. Honest, yeah. I, 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 even, even better. Um, a, a, a truck, two trucks actually with, um, big banner across both of them saying abolish the prison system. Um, <laughs> but you know, anyways, that's my point made. Um, the other point that I have with this episode, it's just a question. And I thought about this because the top of hack goes from his office where he goes, I'll be there right away. And he, he's suddenly at the docks. So Topham hat is in charge of a massive public transit network, a huge, like sprawling, you know, frequent trains, like spacious, you know, like it goes everywhere. There is not a place on the Island that you cannot catch a train and they invest so much in that system. Yet he drives everywhere. Why does an operator of a public transit railway drive? It's a good point. He has a life. That's my question. It's interesting, too, because I, I have been uh, rereading a lot of the uh, the Christopher Audrey Railway series stories. And there's quite a few mentions, actually, of uh, Sir Topham Hatt having to run off to catch his train. So it's interesting that we see that a lot in the railway series, but when it comes to the TV series, more often than not, we are seeing Sir Topham Hatt only in his car. I don't, I can't remember off the top of my head, uh, outside of series one, where we see him riding the express when, uh, Henry gets out of the tunnel. Uh, I don't really recall many times. It's it's only when the media is around. It's only when the media is around. That's right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, I'd imagine that the tabloids in, let, let's say, Kronk, um, are, you know, reporting all the hot goss. So Tom Hatt's double life of road and rail, which one is it? 
I mean, there's obviously a, a thing on Sodor, you know, anti-rail, right? Because you have Bulgy the bus. There's there's obviously yeah, the, like yeah, the, there's the an uprising. It, it's a it's a legitimate society. Yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, if if your railway really is so good, Sir Topham Hat, you should use it. And I think maybe Diesel's right. Maybe this isn't a place that he wants to work. I don't know. So if we were to rate this episode out of ten, I guess think about what what we would give it. Mike, what would be your rating? As a standalone episode, I think it does a magnificent job of uh, not only bringing Diesel back into the fold, but uh, giving us the beginnings of, of Duck and Percy at the harbor and uh, teaching us some, some valuable life lessons as well. Personally, one of my favorites of season three, I would have to give it a 10. 10. Wow. What a strong rating. Andrew. As an art student and one who um, very much, you know, in order to fully envelop myself as such, get into <laughs> um, all of the aspects of what makes art work, um, how art affects us, um, how we how we relate to it, connect to it. Um, so... With all of those factors being put into consideration for the this, this season three episode, Diesel does it again, um, I would also give it a 10. It's a stark, brutalist depiction of bullying and china clay, and I think it, it, it is not afraid to show its skin. When Diesel bumps into Percy in the sheds, that is one of the rawest moments of the entire show it's the pinnacle it's the pinnacle it is the dramatic peak of yeah the the show nay the franchise as a whole thank you and good night all right and i guess my rating i mean i'm gonna give it an eight i think uh it's a bit of a, an odd episode like it's a weird episode you watch it and you feel you feel like it stands out from the pack and i think that's because there's so many underlying tones here i mean we got the romance with sir topham hat you have you know uh the sadness of duck and seeing his greatest enemy you have the bullying conversation you have you know a sentiment about prison reform in here i mean this is you you should you should have to pass an iq test to watch this episode i mean I mean, this is, you know, I deducted a point because Thomas makes a cameo and and I deducted another point because I think it could have taken a stronger stance on prison reform. I think that's something that's totally appropriate to discuss with preschoolers. So, you know, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, if you want to stop that kind of behavior, you should be you should be bringing prisoners into preschools. Um, so this episode should be pushing for that a little more. So. That's that's my rating. You guys give it tens. I give it an eight, but I do think it is much stronger. Just, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. like Duck, the Great Western Engine. So I respect that. Yes, there's that meaning behind it too. All right, so now we're gonna yeah. have a little listen to some music from the fandom. This is a little piece of music that came out recently called "Rusty Repairs on the Tally Flynn." This is by Bass T Bone Music, and we're gonna have a little. Little listen to this, it's wonderful, it's just beautiful music, and I, I truly hope that you all enjoy.
This is Tom Darren from the Writer Track Podcast. I'm lost in the middle of, of the Australian bush and I don't know where I am, but if someone could send um, a rescue party or a, or a helicopter, or your Thomas will take a friend away. Crikey, I think that was an alligator. So thank you, Bass T-Bone Music, for sharing your work with us. Again, fantastic job. Love to hear more. Um, but right now, we have to talk about another episode that the previous hosts of this so-called podcast got horribly, horribly wrong. And this is an episode... Well, what is this episode, Mike? I am so glad you asked, Josh. This episode comes from the much-loved fourth series. Uh, this is known to our UK fans as Trucks, but to our North American fans as Rusty Helps Peter Sam. And I believe it, we are going to go to it, the... <laughs> what was that, Andrew? <laughs> it, it actually is also known as Trucks in the US as well. Is it? Yes. On Thomas's Trackside Tunes, Trucks... With with exclamation mark, the original title is included on that tape. The more you know. I you know what? So technically it is both it is both Rusty Helps Peter Sam and Trucks in the US. I never had that tape as as a kid, so I never knew that. That is I feel like I've just had a moment of enlightenment. It makes me all the more happy that we are discussing this magnificent episode today. And it uh, makes me feel quite glad. Quite glad. And uh, to, to cap things off, to begin the discussion, we are going to jump to uh, a very special clip from this episode. This is the inaugural meeting of Rusty and Harold. Every day where the little engines work, the crisp air is suddenly filled with a familiar noise. The lakes and mountains have many visitors, and Harold the helicopter flies the sky, making sure that no one is in trouble. All present and correct. Time to return to base. Then Harold noticed something. A sturdy diesel was coming round the mountain. Harold flew lower for a closer inspection. I'm Harold, who are you? I'm Rusty, replied the diesel. Don't recall seeing you before. What brings you this way? Sir Topham Hatt sent me to help the other engines, huffed Rusty. This was no time for a chat with a helicopter. Well done, cheers, and keep up the good work. Cheeky chopper, muttered Rusty. Not long now, encouraged the driver. We'll soon be at the top station. You know what, that is such an iconic piece from the fourth season of the show. Like, somehow, you know, it's almost like Though that interaction that happens, it, it starts and it bookends that episode between Rusty and, and Harold has basically nothing to do with the story. But 
but is so iconic. Like it is such the, the that shot, that music, the delivery of of the voiceover. Uh, in my mind, it's George Carlin is something that when I see that and hear it and I, I truly experience it again, I'm right back to being a child watching it on TV. You know, it is, there, there is something so nostalgic about what's probably filler, <laughs> but I love that. Yes, it is. It, there's so much happening in that, even just from that clip that we've, you know, thrown it to briefly, uh, from the music to the character interaction to the visuals, the absolute stunning visuals of Rusty on that mountainside, it just, oh, chef's kiss. Magnifique. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so Mike, maybe, maybe you could tell us a little bit more about this episode. We know Rusty meets a helicopter, but we also know that's not really the point of the episode. So what is this episode about? There is much to talk about with this episode. And before I give a synopsis, I just want to give a brief disclaimer. Uh, we will be referring to Rusty with they-them pronouns or as the little diesel. Uh, I know in the Railway series, Rusty was referred to as male. But uh, since I plan to talk about the Railway series book, I don't want it to get too confusing jumping back and forth. So we're just going to, across the board, we'll keep it as the little diesel slash they slash them. Personally, I I view Rusty in the Railway series as a he they. Ah, that is a good. You know what? I I like that. It's the best of of both mediums. I will take that. That definitely works. Yeah. Uh, to give a brief synopsis of this episode, we begin with Harold doing his regular mountain patrol to make sure everything is safe, and while out on that patrol, he comes across a sturdy little diesel. Uh, this diesel, as we soon come to find out, is Rusty on their way to help the, uh, in this TV version, I suppose it would be the Fat Controller's Narrow Gauge Railway, uh, helping out Sir Handel and Peter Sam as uh, Scarloe and Renius are both away being mended. Uh, now, of course, Sir Handel feels overworked. He doesn't want to do anything with trucks. And so our, our ever so lovely Gordon, the standard gauge express engine we love so much, he comes along and plants a little seed in Sir Handel's mind and says, Hey, you don't want to push trucks? Tell him you're sick. No big deal. Yeah. Sir Handel does so. Of course, Peter Sam picks up the slack, with Rusty helping a bit. They make their way to the incline quarry, where, of course, we get a brief explanation of how this wonderful marvel of machinery works, which I just have to add, one of my favorite sets of the season. Yeah. I love the incline. I think it's so cool. I'm glad they kept it around for so many seasons afterwards. But anyways, uh, of course, we get to a scene where Peter Sam is waiting for loaded trucks to come down. They are too far away to see and think he's Sir Handel, who they are just so eager to play a trick on to get back at him for bumping them. They snap the cable of the incline and come racing down towards Peter Sam, who gets hit with slate and broken trucks. He gets doused with water and his poor funnel gets cracked and dented. And after Rusty helps to rescue him, uh, he goes back to the shed where Sir Handel is reprimanded by the Fat Controller. Once Rusty finishes their work, they make their way along the mountainside again. And who should they meet but Harold the Helicopter? It's such a nice little sandwich of an episode. Uh, and Rusty is much more cheerful this time, uh, wishes Harold all the best, and sets off for home. 
in the beautiful sunset of season four created by david mitten and crew just phenomenal yeah that is the episode wow i feel like i just watched it you know it's it's really uh it's an interesting episode and and you talked quite a bit about you know sir handel pretending to be sick and and i sit there you know and i called what happens at the beginning and at the end of the episode filler and i and i do kind of think it is because those interactions although they're iconic in the sense of the story are not really necessary um and and it does feel you know they only have four and a half minutes to tell this story i feel like the bit about sir handel um you know pretending to be sick could have been played out a little more because i think that's actually way more common in kids than one might expect and i think if this were an andrew brenner era episode it would cut back and forth and you'd see sir handel sick in the shed you know or pretending to be sick right and it would be played around with a little more and i think as a kid you know just because it's talked about without really being demonstrated it does kind of just go over my head you know um i don't know if that's a bad thing or maybe i should have just been a smarter kid i certainly think that in the hands of a different writer i feel like you know the only line we get is sir handel saying i don't feel well i think in the hands of a different writer i would like to have maybe seen uh the theatrics played up a bit more i feel like sir handel would really try and give a a shakespearean soliloquy performance of how unwell he feels just to really drive it home that he can't work he absolutely would that is exactly his character. Maybe maybe a little bit of a song, like turn it into a musical, a flashback yes. to, oh. to Sir Handel in the works, you know, being built, you know, uh, his past life, you know, this You is... see, it all started when I was young. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is... Hey, look, I think I pretended to be sick once or twice as a kid. Mm-hmm, of um, course. Oh, I have numerous you know, times. You not go to school. Granted, my friend did not suffer uh, serious injuries as a result of my playing sick, but nevertheless true but but i mean i feel like that's the moral right is that if you pretend to be sick other people have to pick up the slack yeah right and and i think that's actually a super valuable lesson for kids to learn yeah actually um because it is so common and the episode doesn't really do anything with that that is a good Hmm. point yes I, i definitely think I do think that the theatrics of it could have been played up a little bit more, right? We could have seen, um, you know, more of it. Again, it's a lot of telling without showing in the episode, right? And that's something they, they really try and get out of writers is show, don't tell. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that, especially with kids' shows, uh, a lot of it is you need to show and tell. Right. Yeah, that's why that's um, why kids do that at, at at school. That's why they have show show and tell, so they can do both at once. Exactly, exactly. So you know, that's my biggest gripe with the episode is that they could have played into that more, a little bit more. But as a kid, you just go, "Yay, crash! That's great! I want to watch it again." You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, exactly. So I guess, Mike, what is what is your opinion on this episode? What is it that you think? people have gotten so wrong about this episode that needs to be set right well it's interesting josh that you bring up that you know the bits with harold at the beginning and the end are seen sort of as filler and and aren't necessary i kind of feel the opposite because when you view series four as a whole uh rather than looking at just the individual parts 
I think it's actually a very smart move to have extra scenes uh, with Rusty included because I think about, you know, the other episodes of series four, rather, where, you know, of course you have the railway series adaptations. You've got Home at Last. You've got Rock and Roll, where Rusty is prominent. Uh, But outside of that, from the original railway series stories, Rusty isn't really all that prominent. If they had just left it at these three episodes, I don't think Rusty may have been as memorable. What we have to keep in mind, and I know this is a very controversial point, but Rusty plays a huge part in Rusty to the Rescue, bringing Stepney in as well. You know, I I think back to my childhood, and I think back to the first exposure of Series 4. You know, there was... Shining Time Station did like an hour-long family special where they did Rusty to the Rescue and Thomas and Stepney. But if you didn't watch that, because I don't believe they were replayed widely after they were broadcast, many people would have had their first exposure to Series 4 with the Rusty to the Rescue tape. And on that tape, the order of episodes, you've got Rusty Helps Peter Sam, or Trucks, immediately followed by Rusty to the Rescue. So I think it's actually a brilliant idea that they had these extra scenes to help establish Rusty, uh, to show that, you know, at the start, they're a little bit grouchy. Uh, they, they just want to get on with their work. They don't want to be disturbed by, by Harold, the cheeky chopper. Uh, and then it comes full circle at the end to show that, you know, at the end of the day, they just want to help their friends and they want to be uh, useful and, and do something that is meaningful and that they should do it with a smile and they should be, you know, kind to others, which I think is brilliant when it goes directly into Rusty to the Rescue afterwards, because it helps us, you know, we we, we know this about Rusty already. And then to see them travel to the other railway and rescue Stepney, bring him back to Sodor, uh, or to the Bluebell Railway, as it's called in this episode. Uh, I feel like it, it actually is a very smart move on the TV series part to uh, add those extra bits so that we get more context. And I think that just makes Rusty all the more special in this case. So, so I've been looking at this all wrong. Everything I've ever taught or been taught or like, you know, used in my life has been incorrect because because trucks says so 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 really i need to turn to wilbert audrey was this bit in in the railway series story it was not in fact i've got i've got my collection here <laughs> um no it was not i was i was i was actually going to bring up that um rusty isn't really properly um given an introduction as as such in the railway series they're established as being there in the foreword and indeed like they appear in um you know trucks which is the story that uh starts off the little old engine which if i can jump in for a moment andrew uh it's it's interesting to to look at the contrast between the railway series story and the tv series story if you will indulge me, I have my complete Railway Series collection here, uh, open to the first page of Trucks. And given what we have heard about this episode, what we know of its introduction and its and its conclusion, uh, if I may read just a few lines, just so we can see the contrast. Yeah, sure, sure. This is this is exactly 
Yes. Welcome to the Barry Truck Masterpiece Theater. Um, here we are. Trucks as written by Wilbur Audrey. Sir Handel and Peter Sam had hard work while Scarlowey was away. The owner gave them buffers and even bought a diesel named Rusty. But Sir Handel grumbled continually. That is all we hear about Rusty until we get to post-Peter Sam's accident, where the line goes, uh, after after Peter Sam has been uh, hit with the trucks, he says, uh, peep, peep, he spluttered, and was glad when he heard Rusty's answering, toot. Bust my buffers, exclaimed Rusty. What a mess. Never mind, Peter Sam, we'll get you out. And that's Rusty's biggest contribution to the Railway Series story. You know, now that we're on the topic of the Railway Series, do you think the Railway Series to the Thomas fandom is like scripture? I mean, this is, you know, the the fan base really believes it, believes in the Railway Series, and, and there's very few faults in the Railway Series in the eyes of the fan base. I would argue, I would argue that that instead would go to the... Island of Soda or its people's history, its railways book. Correct. Well, that's an interesting yeah. point. Um, where, like, because... Even though it contradicts the railway series in a lot of well, different places. I, I, th- I think it works best when you put it, when you, when you view it through this sort of lens, right? So, the, the, the Island of Sodor book is, like, the actual historical events uh, that that happened on Sodor. They they are accounted factually, and the Railway series is sort of the fictionalized versions of those events. And we should also add here that uh, if someone does choose to take the Railway series, be it the Island of Sodor book or the Railway series volumes themselves, uh, as scripture, if you will, Absolutely nothing wrong with that. Some people prefer the Railway series, some people prefer the TV series, some like a mix of both. I fall into that camp myself. I see the merits in both of them. It's just interesting, especially in the case of a story like this, where there's been liberties taken with the original story, you know, changes have been made to obviously make everything fit into the runtime for the episodes. But also just seeing, you know, what they did to change things and, and how yes. different characters get different representation as a result of those adaptations. Well, well, I just asked the question because, I mean, I think you actually make a good point and you might be convincing me of something, which is shocking, um, which is that <laughs> maybe the beginning of the episode is actually okay. You know, because <laughs> if if you're right that Rusty has gotten such misjustice, if he is a victim yeah. of you know misjustice in, by Wilbert Audrey, um, you know then then there, you know that is if the railway series does a better job bringing Rusty into the forefront and introducing Rusty as a character, which this scene definitely does. I mean. No, if the TV series did a better job, you know, because the TV series... If the, if the railway series I mean, did a better like job? you're saying, Rusty's just kind of passed over. Yeah. So I, th- okay. I, I just I well, just think you said... Uh, I meant I television think, I, just think, I think you said railway series. <laughs> our, our lovely listeners know, yeah. know what, we, uh, what we mean. I okay. think I have, like, <laughs> um, a telepathic connection with the listeners of this podcast by now. I think, 
you know, the chemistry that, that we have, um, the three of us, the, the, you know, dynamics it, and our audience interaction is just, you know, the peak of, of what this, of what this podcast is. You have, you have fine, your, your years of experience have fine-tuned your brain to the point where the psychic link between you, not, not only yourself and, and us, um, as, as fellow hosts of this podcast, but also the audience, is amazing. Absolutely amazing. It's, it's, it's cutting edge. Like yes. Can, like, personally, as, as, an, as an empath, I feel... <laughs> What you feel, how they feel. Yeah. If you take my meaning. I know exactly what you mean. But, but, but the point that I'm trying to make, and I think it's the point that, that Mike is trying to make, is that this episode does a better job of introducing Rusty than the Railway series does. Right? Because the Railway series just kind of glances over it. Well, this episode actually makes a point. I didn't realize that this might have been the first episode that Rusty appears in because as a kid, you kind of watch them all out of order. But that's a really great point, Mike. So that's that's what you think that this episode is grossly underrated because of the importance of Rusty. Especially within the TV series, yes. I, I, Rusty was definitely made more prominent, I feel. You know, it, it's even... It extends to... Uh, as if we're going in production order, it extends to Home at Last as well, because the scene at the beginning with uh, Rusty and Scarloe interacting briefly, uh, that is not seen in the Railway series uh, book. You you really only see Scarloe and Rusty interact in rock and roll. Uh, so I definitely feel like, and this is no no shade to Wilbert Audrey by any means, but I, I feel like the TV series definitely did a better job of bringing Rusty into the fold, uh, making it known that they are an important character, not only on the Scarlowy Railway, but overall, especially in terms of how the TV series chose to introduce Stephanie as well. Okay, good points, good points. So this episode corrects the misjustices against Rusty created by Wilbert Audrey. I stand for rusty liberation. That's all I want. Yes. Rusty liberation. I okay. agree. I agree that, completely. I'm surprised they didn't so attach true, a flag rusty. to the back of Harold that says that. Liberate <laughs> Rusty. And you know what, Josh? As a callback to what you said... That would have made an excellent label for my Redbubble store where I recreate the signs from the show. Yes, that please, totally please buy, buy from. from. And you know what, Josh? It's interesting because I think back to what you said in the Diesel Does It Again review with the truck saying uh advertising orange is the new black it's very ironic because you know what in the railway series rusty was black the tv series they're orange wow. orange is the yep. new black so it all relates the television series the television series literally, literally it created writes the itself phrase, orange is the new black it's plain as day on or yep. in the orange is the new black title i think there should be a lawsuit that it should say that it should say created by Genji Kohan and Britt Allcroft and David Mitten. Correct. Because I think, you know. No, just Britt Allcroft. No, it, it, should, it should actually be everyone who worked on Thomas at that time should That's be right. credited in Orange is the New Black. Yes. Because totally relevant. Andrew, what is your take on this episode? My my take on trucks is as follows. I think it um 
it's it's somewhat uh you know that this I think ties into your comparison earlier to the railway series essentially being scripture. Um, I think that it tracks very much like a Bible story. Um, could not tell you which one. Uh, just, I, I just know all of them. Yeah, all of them. All of the Bible stories, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean Noah's Ark. You know that's yeah, in no, here. Noah's Ark. That's you know. Um, yeah. You know, uh, the slate couldn't really float through the uh, aqueduct over the uh, over the incline. There is water. Yeah, exactly. And where it comes from and why it's there, Noah's Ark. Exactly. God said there'd be a great flood, so he he uh, I he guess sent he sent slate like, through the aqueduct. The, <laughs> he he pissed into the aqueduct at the uh, <laughs> slate quarry, and da uh, boom, Bob Bob's your uncle. Uh, <laughs> And there was a great flood. <laughs> All over Peter Sam. Oh. oh my god, that that sounds horrible. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be a better way to say that. Uh, <laughs> nope, that's it. So this episode is like the Bible. Yes, is your is your point? Yes, and I think I think it also holds the in what my opinion is the greatest and most quotable interaction in the entire television series. Um, it it is retained in the book as well, but is infinitely more quotable in the show as per the UK narration. <clears throat> Why didn't you warn me? I didn't think. You never do. Wow. The greatest comeback to anything in the English language ever. I quote this every day of my life at least once in some way. <laughs> um... I pray to it at night. <laughs> I pray to it at night. Um, I swear by it that indeed you never do. I think it is 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 just one of the funniest jokes like ever. I think in in all, all of Thomas. Um, Wilbert Audrey is never recognized for his witty comedy writing. You know he he never is really. I it it's it's a great shame really because he, he, he's up there with Ricky Gervais. Oh. I, I would not put them in the same breath, honestly. <laughs> um, especially not him. Ugh. But uh, <laughs> there, there, there is just so much clever writing that the Rev does. Like, it, especially actually in in Bulgy, I was thinking about this this morning. Um, the the scene where Bulgy pulls away from the from the station, shouting "Yah, boo, snubs," and uh, he veers around the corner, and, and it says in the text the engines could now see his other side. And it was the side that had the railway bus sign plastered on. And I was like, ooh, ooh, it's, it's, it's really clever. It's really clever. It's a dramatic reveal. It is a dramatic reveal. But back to trucks. Um, I think, actually, uh, Gordon's manipulation of Sir Handel, um, you know, a, a conversation from express engine to express engine, since, as we know, Sir Handel pulled expresses on the Midsodor. It quite eerily echoes the last temptation of Christ, I think. Um, maybe quite literally, by virtue of it being a temptation, and indeed, uh, it, it 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 plays it plays a very cheeky, clever twist by making Peter Sam the martyr of Sir Handel's selfishness. Um, indeed, when the deluge of 
smashed up slate trucks and piles of slate are all round him. Peter Sam is rather Christ-like in appearance. So your your argument is that this episode is grossly underrated because it has strong biblical undertones and is a huge representation of every story in the Bible. Yes. Do you yes. do you believe in the Bible, Andrew? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's a fair. I've, I've read the. I've read the. I think. I think that this is. You know, you're really. You're really passionate about this. If only I were a man. But oh, okay. my <laughs> apologies. I, I love how passionate you are for for script that you don't believe. You know that just shows open mindedness. And it means that I truly belong on Thomas Twitter. Yes. <laughs> yes, it does. It definitely does now i guess no uh, uh it, in my eh, opinion i was just gonna not like i was about to like <laughs> abandon the bit real quick and be like genuine and say th- there are people who do genuinely get it on there but honestly this is it's gonna be very clear that we're joking i hope for the for all of the i hope i hope and so to to add a disclaimer just real quick quick disclaimer there are people who get it there are people who who get what the railway series means like there there are there are thomas fans who have media literacy like that that's correct that that shouldn't really go without saying how else would we be able to like intelligently discuss the series you know and they will be able, they will find this very funny. Yeah, they they will they will they will chuckle and chortle at my silly little gaffes about the Jesus trademark. Um and and his good pal Einstein. But they had Are you calling Wilbert Audrey Einstein? No, I'm calling Einstein Einstein. Oh dear. You know, the reason why I I like this episode so much yes. is I think it has a strong social commentary on yes life death and war you know this is and it's timely you know that we talk about this this episode at its at its core is about the war between the troublesome trucks and the engines especially sir handel in this episode, well, I mean, Sir Handel is like the leader of the engines, you know. It's yeah. He was he was uh, elected. It was not. Let's it was say, it was a landslide win, much like it Jeb was not Bush. a it was, it was not a democratically fair election. It was not, you know. I love democracy. Uh, it was not an election free of corruption, but. You know, he was elected to represent the Nurgage engines. And I think the troublesome trucks waged a war on him because they decided that it was worth their own lives to try and kill him. Right? The troublesome trucks found joy in sacrificing themselves to have a chance at destroying another engine. Yes. Right? But uh oh, it's the wrong engine. So was that really the right choice? I mean, this episode also has it's tragic, deep really. themes. It's it's tragic, and and you know, it's you know, this episode has deep themes about conscription. Yes. You know, half of that line of trucks may not have wanted to die. 
But because they were coupled to each other, they didn't have a choice. Exactly. So gravity you know, was entirely at their mercy. So you know, this episode is or rather it, what it really teaches at the mercy is of gravity. What it really teaches is in war, nobody wins, right? Because the trucks died, and they didn't even get the right engine. Yeah. You know, Peter so, Sam caught the absolute like shortest stick of of sir handel's hubris and sir handel got nothing out of it so i mean even on this side you know on on the engine side sir handel you know almost got his friend killed so how is that a win you know in war there are no wins this this episode should be studied in conflict resolution classes in global issues classes like this is you know I agree. This it's is what all, we're discovering. Also, is Thomas also the Tank Engine has a huge social commentary behind it. Also, um, I think it should be studied in sociology courses because, really, because um, both this and uh, a previous episode, a bad day for Sir Handel, um, quite like illustrates quite um, brutally, I'd say, the 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 very very toxic uh friendship that that peter sam has with sir handel which is mostly one-sided it's very true it's very true you know this is um this is truly truly remarkable why do you think the trucks find so much joy in killing themselves like it's what they live for you know actually it's funny too because you know, you have the line where the loaded trucks are saying that they want to break away because they think it's Sir Handel, and then you have the empty ones who are saying, no, no, it's Peter Sam. You know, they, they view Peter Sam as an ally. So really, this was a case of friendly fire. Yeah, it was. But trucks in the whole show, their whole purpose is they want to run away and crash. Is it? I mean, well, more, more or less, that's how, that's how they are functionally. Um... The, you see, the the going going back to the railway series, um, the concept of the trucks being troublesome, uh, really goes back to uh, breaking practices on real railways, because for for a while up until the end of the eighteen hundreds, most trains were not fitted with continuous vacuum brakes, which basically means that if so, they're they're. The brakes on all of the vehicles in a train are connected through their brake pipes, right? And this can be controlled from any end of the train. And if air leaks in to the pipes, as seen in Super Rescue, the train will stop. Rather, it's it's more it's better illustrated in James and the Bootlace, actually. Either way, either way, the so wagons generally. Uh, in in real railway practice, weren't fitted until around let, let's say like the fifties, sixties maybe, which in the grand scheme of things, it's quite a long time. So the so when you you'd have your train with unfitted wagons that sort of going down a any sort of gradient really it, it they're they're pretty hard to control and in some cases less less than experienced crews would have their train run away with the weight of the the trucks that they couldn't actually you know 
stop. They need to rely purely on their engine and the guard, who's all the way at the other end of the train, to, to try and keep their, their wagons in control. That That is sort of... That fundamentally is how the Troublesome Trucks, like, came to be. Um, you, you see in the story Troublesome Trucks, um, you see it in Thomas and the Trucks, all, all that. This is a very, very big tangent for me to make, and not one that I'm sure made complete sense, so I'm sorry about that. Makes perfect but, sense. Okay, thank, thank <laughs> you, thank you. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think, I'm not even sure if I got all of it right either, so uh, people Close who know enough. more about real railway practice than me are more than welcome to correct me in the comments. Or, or not. I know more than you. I've read a you book. Have to have the you have to have confidence in your knowledge. Exactly. Exactly. So, my last question on this episode is, what happens to dead troublesome trucks? Where did they go? I like to think the remains are recycled. Or maybe retired. Recycled. Well, it, de- it depends on the source, because we think about, uh, again, to call back to the Railway series, uh, I, I think of Christopher Audrey's uh, Bolstrode, in which the trucks uh, break away and uh, clatter into Bolstrode, and it's specifically stated that uh, the trucks were sad to lose yeah. some of their friends, and that the broken trucks are taken away by Percy to the scrapyard. So they are, they are well and truly gone. Uh, maybe they do get recycled. I don't know if the wood can be reused, depending on the damage. But uh, yeah, they yeah. they, they C- suffer. Certainly wasn't the case with Scruffy, eh? <laughs> like I said, like I said, there are no winners in war. So I guess to wrap this up, um, Mike, what would you give this episode out of ten? If you had to, I mean, it's hard to quantify such a masterpiece. You know, and and really, who are it, it who really are is. we to judge this? But but you know, what would you give this out of ten, Mike? Well, I think if I was to give this episode a rating, I am going to give it a nine point five out of ten, and I am only deducting half a point because Josh, you made an excellent point. I now wish that there was a bit more of the theatrics with Sir Handel. Uh, pretending to be sick i wish we could have got maybe just a touch more humor out of that situation but beyond that yeah i think the changes that it makes the additions that it brings in from the railway series stories i feel that they uh they really help to serve the overall show uh they really help to bolster rusty as a character the episode itself of course is very fun we have one of the most memorable crashes of the entire series in my opinion uh, and the visuals are just yes. just beautiful, as is the the status quo with season four. Uh, so, aside from that one nitpick about Sir Handel, nine point five out of ten, very well deserved. Okay, great, Andrew. Yeah, I I I would I would give it a nine for honestly roughly the the same reasons as Mike because uh, I I think that Sir Handel is such like a a pathetic character that <laughs> we, we really missed out by not getting more of him going oh <laughs> oh i'm so oh oh um and 
Yeah, yeah, no, like, I think what it adds compared to the Railway Series does, like, um, serve to function better as a cohesive piece of television rather than, um, you know, a bedtime story, which really is just what the the Railway Series is at the end of the day. It's um, true. It's true. And, uh, yeah. It, it does, it, it gets... It gets to the point really, really well. Uh, the crash is excellent. Um, there is a fourth loaded truck during the the, the accident that um, crossfades out of nowhere. Uh, rather, that that whacks into the uh, aqueduct above Peter Sam, and then crossfades out of existence. Um, it was not among the uh, the loaded trucks. In previous shots so for that for that piece of continuity discontinuity error the 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 goof even in the words of the 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 great Thomas wiki um this this will be bumped down to a five no I'm kidding Uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's a nine I like trucks a lot um no no question for you guys does does Thomas appear in this episode I believe he briefly appears uh, shunting in the background, but not... I don't even think we see his face. Well, uh, well okay. Okay, then I'm only deducting half a There we are. Very generous. I think that's fair. You know, it's a show called Thomas and Friends, but you can't have... You cannot put Thomas in too much. Um, you know, the children need to basically forget who Thomas is. I hate it when Thomas appears in the show called Thomas Just and the Friends. worst. Like, I know. Yeah. Half a what, point deducted. What, and the, I think, what the hell are you doing, man? Like, I think, like, you know, I think a lot of people with very powerful voices would agree with me. Um, I I agree. But, you and know, aside from that... A bit weak, but... I, I, I think it's an 8.5 for me. You know, I think I, I, I'm a little bit more convinced that the part at the beginning and at the end is very necessary. Um, but I'm still not entirely convinced. Right? It had to take thought. And an episode of Thomas, even though we argued that Diesel does it again, should have an, an IQ test before it. I think, yes. you know, an episode of Thomas likes you, trucks. You need to be prepared for such high art. I, I mean, yes. You know, I think an episode like trucks, those types of the beginning scene, you shouldn't start off thinking like that off the top. You need to warm us into it. And Diesel does it again is much better at that. But 8.5 out of 10. I think it's a pretty solid episode. Again, lovely crash. Just lovely. Yeah. I love Magnus. It looks it looks great. There's something it, so soothing yeah. about destruction. Yeah. Um what what I like actually and, and find a little bit sad, uh, is that the US version doesn't have as much music. Severely lacking, yes. Oh, interesting. Not to mention that the whistles are all mixed up and there there's no consistency with any of the engine whistles. Oh, of, so of course, of course. I'm not I'm not, getting, I'm not going board. back on my rating. <laughs> no guys, guys. We, we've given this a high rating. That's we true. No, no. I stand by we my can't. conviction. I mean... We do not touch. We do not touch. We've argued that this episode is... This episode is scripture. We cannot challenge it. We just I'm have no to heathen. Accept. I'm not going against the scripture. All right. So so that is our opinion on trucks. Uh, and Diesel does it again. This has been a lot of fun, guys. Talking with the three of you. This was a great first episode of A New Era. This has been an absolute pleasure. Yes, as have I. I... And may we hold a prosperous future.
Oh, that would be fantastic. Andrew, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about yourself, where our viewers can find you, and a little bit more about maybe what you do. You can find me on twitter.com at the underscore chairlord, um, or if you would like to see m- more of what I do that um, is not Thomas th- th- Thomas related, which personally, as an artist, I find is my worst work generally. Um, it is nowhere nearly as good or should get as much attention as the Thomas content, but all the same if you would like to see it. Uh, I'm, I'm also on Twitter at Andromeda underscore art. Um, I, I live stream occasionally as well. Um, there, there's links to like my, my Twitch page there. I am on YouTube as the space chair lord. <laughs> Not space as a word, but space is in the space, the function, the, um, you know, the that. Uh, yeah, uh, I'll, uh, I'll upload a video too occasionally. I'll stream a game or two, make some art, um, with, with within my variety of interests fantastic and mike you'll find out you'll find those out by now <laughs> <laughs> and i i am aware of those it's infamous tweets um <laughs> mike where can people find you maybe tell us a little bit more about your writing well people can find me on twitter at the buried truck all together uh, no spaces no underscores nothing fancy like that uh, I am yeah. often... I took all the fancy stuff. <laughs> yeah, I leave all the fancy stuff to Andrew. Uh, I post writings there pretty frequently. Uh, most of my stories are free to adapt. If anyone is looking to do audio or video productions, uh, if you go to my Twitter, my pin tweet is actually a link to a Google Drive where I have all of my free-to-use stories. Uh, along with some narrations. I'm slowly getting caught up so that everything is in there all together. Uh, and oftentimes there's just some fun little banter that goes on Twitter as well. So give me a follow if you'd like. I'm sure you'll find something that you enjoy. Fantastic. And I, of course, am CaliFan. I'm sure you all know that already. I am on Twitter at CaliFan. YouTube, my channel is CaliFan. And... Um, yeah, my my actual podcast, my own podcast, is the Thomas Talk Podcast. There's only six episodes of it, but I did it with my very good friend John, Master 98 and we did six episodes talking to some of our closest friends. That is still available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, uh, really a lot of different places. And it's on YouTube, too, if that's easier to find. Um, but yeah. Really, so great talking with the three of you. I think we did a really good job hosting this show, and and I think the future is bright for the three of us. Gotta wear shades, the future's so bright. You know, I, exactly. I think we're finally hitting our group. I think, you know, we're off to many more episodes of this. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. And thank you. We'll see you very, we'll see you very soon.